Hi, and welcome to Take Every Thought Captive, a weekly look at the Catholic intellectual tradition and an exploration of the authors, books, and topics that have shaped Catholic thinking for 2,000 years. Today, our topic is going to be adult faith formation and the many different forms and different types of uh, catechesis that adult faith formation is aimed at. Uh, also, we want to look at the participants of adult faith formation, the, the many different audiences that we're going to have. Um, and today we're joined by a special guest, Miss Joan Watson from the Diocese of Nashville. Um, Joan, welcome to the podcast. Why don't you uh, give our audience a quick introduction and especially how did you get involved in adult faith formation? Thanks, Jason, and thanks for having me on. So I am the Director of Faith Formation for the Diocese of Nashville, and I concentrate primarily in that role on adult faith formation. I originally got into it, actually, I was working in the catechesis world, and I was teaching teachers, and I realized at six years of teaching teachers that many of these children we were trying to reach were going home to parents who had no formation in the faith after high school. Mm. So either their formation stopped with the reception of confirmation, or their reception, or after they graduated high school, maybe if they went to a Catholic high school, that these kids were going home to parents who didn't even remember what the kids then were learning in their own religious ed schools or in their own religious ed programs. So I thought, wow, we're spending a lot of time and money educating teachers and educating little kids, but we're missing probably the largest, we're missing the largest group that's sitting in our pews and that's their parents and that's adults. So I went to our bishop at the time and said, if you are ever interested in starting an office of faith formation geared towards adults, I would be interested in helping you with that. And he said, let's do it. So that's how I got involved. Um, I saw the need and yeah. I started reading actually the church documents and realized that the church documents were asking for adult formation to be primary. Oh, and yet yeah. we don't see that in a lot of dioceses and a lot of parishes. So I saw the need and I went that direction. Awesome. I, I think that's so key because when you look at like, if you were just to look at like uh, a parish from like a, a, a budgetary, mm -hmm. even a secular point of view and say, okay, I'm gonna evaluate this parish based on where you put your resources. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if you were to look at a parish or even a diocese in that way, you would not come out saying, yeah, adult catechesis is important, yeah. you know? And, that, and, that's, and that's absolutely horrible because it's completely against, you know, what the church has been saying for years that, like you said, adult catechesis is the primary form. And particularly because, uh, you know, it says that, you know, adults are the ones that have the greatest capacity to understand, but they also have the responsibility to uh, hand it on to, like you said, the kids, uh, um, the, the, their, their children. They're the ones that are forming other people. Uh, and so for this reason, um, uh, it's important that they have this. Now, when it comes to um, adult faith formation, uh, what do you find are maybe the particular challenges that adults have? Well, one challenge I saw very quickly was that the Catholic Church, and I don't mean the Catholic Church universal, like, because we just talked about it, the Catholic Church itself is asking for this, and yeah. they've asked for this for years. But the individual churches, the parishes, aren't used to providing it. They're, that's not in our... Yeah culture really especially in America so when I started my job when I when someone would say what what do you do if I was talking to a Catholic they would be like oh do you do you teach RCIA yeah. like no I I teach Catholics in the pew you know 
if I talked to a non-Catholic, especially a Protestant, they knew yeah. exactly what I was doing. Yeah, they yeah, are yeah. so familiar with what they would call Sunday school or yeah. Wednesday night. They are very familiar with that idea that our formation doesn't stop when we, you know, whether exactly. it's our confirmation or our bar mitzvah or whatever, you know, whatever, whether we accept Jesus as our personal Lord and Savior, <laughs> that, that threshold of maturity that John Paul II called it, our formation doesn't stop there. And so our non-Catholic brothers and sisters understood it completely. Yeah. Our the Catholic friends didn't understand what I was doing. So it's interesting that that's really the first hurdle. And it's a hurdle I still come up against where adults don't realize, oh, I should be now. Now they're hungry. And so when oh, you yeah. really deep, like when you really poke at them, they know they need to be doing more. Yeah. But so many of them aren't aware of the opportunities, and so many of them aren't really aware that they should be continuing their, their journey. So that is, that's the first hurdle, and I think that's one of the biggest hurdles, that if we can get people to realize, oh, you should be still nurturing your faith, and it's not just a class you take in school, yeah, yeah, then yeah. we have them. But, um, but it takes a while to get them to that stage. Yeah, that reminds me, one time I was, uh, weird story, I was, I was at the Alamo, uh, uh, waiting, meeting up with a friend, and you're uh, such a Texan, right? <laughs> what only a Texan? So I was at the Alamo, eating right? some brisket at the Alamo. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I was at the Alamo waiting for a friend, and uh, the the in front of the Alamo, it's like this uh, um, nice little um, courtyard kind of a, a atmosphere. But there were some like hardline preachers out there. I mean, they, and they, I mean, they were like telling people, you know, you're going to hell. Trust no man. Trust only the Bible. And so my friend was running late, so and they had they had like a team there. It was it was really interesting in the the coordination because I flagged the guy that was uh, uh, yelling at people. I flagged him down, and as he came towards me, he like waved at another guy who immediately stepped up and started you know preaching where he left off. Um, but I but I you know, and this whole thing was you know trust no man, um, trust the Bible alone. And so you know I just I, I simply asked him a question. I said you know well. Who wrote the Bible and who put the Bible together? Was it men? And he said, "Well, it was God." Um, but but I said, "Did men write the Bible?" And he and then his his reaction to me was, "You must be Catholic." <laughs> oh, <laughs> and, no. he, and he went on, which I was like, "Yeah, <laughs> thanks for recognizing." Um, but uh, uh, he went on to explain. He said, "I was, you know, I was Catholic. I was Catholic for a number of years in my childhood, mm. and then I left." Um, and it, and it got me thinking, like, you know, this this. It, it, I think where many adults are is they're ad adults trying to operate on an adult level in an adult world with like an eighth grade CCD understanding of the Catholic faith. Absolutely. Which is, which is you know, uh, um, you, it's not uh, efficient. It's not, it's not capable of, of, you know, really supporting, you know, those, those kinds of questions and things. Um, and we don't so do that with any other part of our life. Like I don't, yeah. I don't rely on my eighth grade knowledge. You know, let's say my brother's an accountant. I hope he has a little bit more. I mean, I hope he <laughs> takes, or my dad's a doctor, right? Like my dad doesn't rely on his eighth grade understanding of anatomy and <laughs> physiology to, to do his job, you know? So what's the most important thing in our life, yeah. but our relationship with God, why do we rely on information? Yeah. The information hasn't changed, but we've changed. Yeah. Well, and, and that reminds me, you know, St. Paul in Romans, you know, he gets quoted a lot in Romans 12, you know, but, but he, he makes the point of be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Like that, that, that's not a, okay, you know, I'm going to, you know, renew my mind. Like I'm going to re, you know, renew my Amazon prime membership <laughs> once a year, you know, uh, 
you know, it's, it's more than that. And that, you know, the, the, the transformation, the continuous conversion, that the, the renewal of the mind uh, is a very important aspect mm-hmm. of that part. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that's where, you know, uh, and, and I think like you said, you know, there, people are hungry. Mm-hmm. But sometimes, you know, um, you know, my kids, you know, even, you know, they, they, they don't know why they feel this way. And I give them a little bit of food and they're like, oh, now I'm really starving. You know, I think that's, you know, how a lot of adults are. You know, mm-hmm. have you found that to be kind of the uh, situation when you give them a little and then what? You know, they say yeah. what? Absolutely. They you want know? more. They want more because I think it's it's we can get jaded. We can get complacent when we don't um, when we're not familiar with what's out there or when we're just kind of going through the routine if i'm just going to sunday mass if i'm not seeking things outside of that i don't know what i'm missing and yeah. then as soon as i get a taste i realize how much i don't know or yeah. i realize how much i've forgotten or i realize how deep the faith is i mean i see it with scripture study right like we think we know the scripture yeah. stories but you give them one taste of some like good solid exegesis and yeah. they're like, holy cow, like that scripture study, that scripture story has been broken open. Yeah. Um, and so it's just a matter of giving that morsel. Um, and some people don't, you know, don't latch on, but others realize what, how deep our faith is and that our eighth grade knowledge is not sufficient, you know, that our Catholic faith is so rich and yeah, so deep. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's, you know, going to be one of the, again, you know, this is something that I hope, you know, parishes can do is to, to begin to, uh, um, put their time and resources toward adults because I think that's you know where they'll also they'll see the fruit with their with their kids can uh, I say something well. about yeah, that go ahead. so uh, we were at um, there was a big meeting of Catholic leaders last July and I forget it was all the Catholic leaders throughout the United States and I forget what Bishop said this but one of the bishops said that a budget is a theological document and I wrote <laughs> it in my I wrote it in my notebook because it was exactly what you're speaking about earlier that show me your budget and I'll show you what you value, yeah. right? I mean, we can see that in our own homes, right? Yeah. But also in a parish or in a diocese, if you're not spending money on adult formation, there's a problem because the church has asked for, and it's, it's really clearly in the USCCB's plan in 1999, they asked for adult formation to be primary. Right. And they said, this is going to cause a change in staffing and budgets. And they said it very clearly. Yeah. They know what it means. It means we have to start putting money aside. We have to start hiring people who are equipped to teach adults because the same people who teach second graders oftentimes can't teach adults and vice versa, right? I can't teach a second grader to right. save my life. <laughs> um, so it's different time, different talent. you know. So I think um, you're absolutely right that we have to start shifting that view. And the church has been asking that for a long time. And it's time for us to start responding with our own priorities, our own budgets, and our own outlook of what does catechesis look like. Um, yes, it does look like educating little kids, but what does it mean? What if I educate the parent? Yeah. I went and spoke to the, when I first started this job, I talked to all the priests, and I said again and again, I always hear, we educate these kids at, a, at school, and we send them home, and it's not um, supported in the home, yeah. right? Wouldn't it be great if it could be educated at home and supported in the school. Yeah. Like, isn't that what we really want? Yeah. The kids to find the faith at home and then reinforce at school rather than vice versa. Right, right. Well, you know, and I mean, just practically speaking, I mean, CC, uh, a typical CCD year is, you know, 30, 35 hours tops. Mm-hmm. You can't be proficient at anything no. in, in 30 hours a year. No. You know, once a week, one hour if you're lucky, weekends off, take right. summers off. like. Like, no, I mean, and that's the thing, you know, no athlete would say, yeah, I can get by by doing that. No, I mean, again, like you said, with, with anything else, right? There, 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 
this would just be uh, uh, ludicrous. And what message you know? are you sending your child when you say, okay, you can spend 35 hours a year learning about Jesus. I'm not going to do it, right? <laughs> I'm dropping you off. Yeah. Maybe I'll go to Mass with you, and then I'll drop you off. I'm not going to study about Jesus. I'm not yeah. going to learn about Jesus. You are. What message, your actions are speaking louder than your words, right? Like what yeah. message does that say to your child that you're not continuing your own search for that relationship with Jesus Christ? Yeah. And I, and I think another thing with um, parish, parish interactions, particularly with children and their parents, is, you know, if a parish doesn't have anything for adults, but they have all these things for children. I think what it can do is also send the message to the adults that learning about your faith, growing deeper and understanding the Eucharist is a childish thing, or even it's something you just do in order to receive the sacraments and then you're done. Um, uh, you know, and I think that could be, you know, I almost see it better as, well, it would almost be better if you just didn't offer anything. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> because then you wouldn't even, you wouldn't be sending kind of this, this, this uh, uh, false message uh, kind of out there. Yeah. Um, now, one thing I want to bring up that I think is interesting with, um, like, like we, we've talked about, is that the church has asked for this. So for our listeners, uh, if, you're, if you're looking for, okay, well, where does the church ask for this so I can bring this to my pastor, I can bring this to my priest, uh, particularly look in the general directory for catechesis, 175, and also look um, in John Paul II's document, Catechese Tridende, particularly in uh, paragraph 45, he offers uh, some advice there um, about catechesis. I'm sorry, 40, uh, 43. 43. 43. Yeah. Now, one of the things that, like I said, I, wonder, I think is interesting is to what ends is adult faith formation aimed at? You know, yes, yes, we want to... Um, form our adults so that they have a stronger faith life. Um, but is that it? What else, what else are we forming them for? I would say a couple of things. Number one, first and foremost, the relationship with Jesus Christ. Um, everything, your catechesis has to be Christocentric. We yeah. have to be focusing on how can I grow closer to Jesus Christ? First and foremost, obviously the sacraments, right? And so, yes, Sunday Mass, Sunday Liturgy has to be key. But the, if we really want to fall in love with someone... We have to know them. Right? Yeah. So so Sunday Mass, obviously key, but we need ongoing formation because we want to nurture that relationship. So first and foremost, our own relationship with Jesus Christ. But then we have to go to the next step and say, okay, now I want to form them, form you for mission. Yeah. So there are lots of hungry people in this world. And there are a few of us that may be apostles or disciples. We need much, many more disciples that go out to this hungry world. So... Um, I love this quote, and it's from Catechesis Day 61. Um, and JP2 said, The most valuable gift the church can offer to the bewildered and restless world of our time is to form within it Christians who are confirmed in what is essential and who are humbly joyful in their faith. Yeah. And I, I go back to that quote a lot because we certainly live in a bewildered and restless world. And what can we do? We can know Jesus Christ so that we can take him to others and that we can be confirmed, like confirmed in what is essential. That's Catholic formation right there. Um, and then humbly joyful in that faith so that we can take it to others. So I think our own relationship with Jesus Christ and then formed for mission to take it to others. Yeah, I think that in the, in the, again, you know, um, you know, today one of the big trends that's out there is, you know, this, this word discipleship, which, I mean, it's, it's at the point where it's been said so many times that it's kind of lost meaning. Uh, I remember even reading a book where it just said, we're not going to define it. We're just going to talk about it broadly. And I'm like, ah. 
you know. But 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 the church has always kind of spoke of discipleship um, uh, in terms of the apostolate. When it talks about the apostolate of the laity, is it talking about ministries in the church that you find on the front of the bulletin, <laughs> or or what it, what is what is kind of the the individual apostolate? What is this kind of uh, uh, apostolate of the laity that that the church is really? Uh, trying to get at that's a really good question um i think there's a couple different ways you could approach it and i think in some ways those ministries on the front of the bulletin are they good are. things right um especially what it means like when we look at our outreach to our fellow parishioners you know whether it means i think sometimes we do things really badly in the church like <laughs> taking care of the homebound or taking care of new moms or you know so yeah. i think we have to minister to our own community um that's one thing that we tend not to do well but I think also ultimately the apostolate means going out, right? Yeah. And I, I think another thing that's been almost overspoken of and we don't is going out to the peripheries, right? Like that's the big buzzword. Yeah. Um, and it, sometimes we can glamorize that to be like, oh, I need to go on a mission trip. Yeah. When our biggest mission is our next door neighbor, yeah. right? So or your own children, um, or your own children, <laughs> or your in-laws, or your brothers and sisters. Um, so who are the peripheries really? I mean, it's sometimes easier to talk about going on a mission trip and going and painting some school of a community that probably doesn't need it painted because it was just painted last year. Um, but so I think Christian apostolate, apostolate ultimately is the universal call to holiness. Yeah. And if we're really living holy lives, um, if we're living holy lives, that mission will naturally spill out of us. We're not going to have to go search for some mission. Yeah. It's going to be right in front of us. I think so often we, the mission we ignore is the one that's in front of us and that's uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, spreading the gospel to our coworker that we don't really like, you yeah. know, helping that per, that neighbor that we don't really like. We, we like to talk about mission out there because it's easier to talk about mission out there rather yeah. than mission that God gives us our mission right in front of our face all the time. We just right. ignore it. Um, so I think the universal call to holiness that we're all called to be saints, that that's not, doesn't mean we're all called to be crucified upside down. It means that we're called to minister to the people that we least want to minister to. And even, and that's, and that's, that, that hits on a really good point. Even the, uh, the general director, when the church is talking about catechesis, talks about the specific aims of catechesis and it primarily lists six, the first four being the, uh, uh reflecting the four pillars of the catechism. Um, but the other two pillars of, um, of the tasks of catechesis um, are uh, education for community life mm. and uh, missionary initiation. So it's this kind of, you know, we, we, we take those pillars of the catechism, we make that the, the pillars of our, of our uh, Catholic lives for life inside the community, but also this missionary initiation uh, to take it out. And I think that's really where kind of adults uh, catechesis goes for that, that, that individual apostolate. You know, I, I, I think it's important that, you know, we don't, if we want our parish to do something, maybe ask ourselves, can I just do this on my own? Yeah. You know, and not to say like, I'm going to do this despite my parish, but to say, you know, um, can this be handled just, you know, like you said, you know, taking care of, um, um, new moms or something like that. Moms that just had babies. You know, uh, a lot of times these things just happen uh, quite naturally between you know friends, um, in, in parishes and things like that. It's the principle of subsidiarity, right? Like yeah. why? And I, we were just talking about this actually today in the diocese. 
the diocese doesn't need to do things. We need to empower parishes to do things yeah. because that's, that's where people find their community and that's where they find their life. So it's, it needs to go down. And what does the diocese do but help the parishes, yeah. help the parishes serve their people. And what do the parishes just, do? They should help their people, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, yeah. I, and I think that's, I, I love that, that, that I always uh, um, like to use that it's not. It, I haven't. I haven't seen it used, but I like to use that that principle of subsidiarity as a catechetical principle, mm. meaning that if if parents are the primary educators mm-hmm. of their children in the faith, mm-hmm. do the policies of my parish do they reflect that? Yeah. Or do they usurp that? Right. You know, and I think that, and that's hard because many times we see, well, parents have so much on their plate. We can do this, but at the same time. It's one of those things, uh, you know, the catechism, and uh, it's around paragraph uh, 2221 around there where, you know, it says that, you know, um, the, the role, the responsibility, the duty, and the kind of the power of the parents uh, can never be replaced. Yeah, yeah. So I think even for, you know, parishes as well-meaning um, as they can be in their efforts, it's important for them to be discerning to say, Maybe we shouldn't go this route, yeah. You know, because we don't want to usurp that. You but know, I think that's it's a difficult thing because how many parents are really equipped to be the primary like to be the primary teachers of their children? And I think the parish also has a responsibility to make sure the children are formed. Yeah. And so, how do we walk together to make sure that okay, I want to give it to the parents and have the parents do it, but yeah. are the parents going to do it? And I think back in the in you know before I was born we had such a strong Catholic school system that it educated people to educate their children. Yeah. And and I think we've rested on that now. And, and when that falls apart, then we have parents who aren't educated, we have children who aren't educated. So I think it's a generation-old problem where because we don't live with Catholics anymore, we don't live in Catholic neighborhoods, yeah, yeah, yeah. we used to be able to rely on our neighbors to help educate our children as well, right? Yeah. And how many of us live in Catholic communities where, you know, Billy's mom is also educating my child, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. um, and so I think the breakdown of the Christian family and the breakdown of the Christian community, um, you know, we don't live in these primarily Catholic communities anymore, and it really has serious repercussions on the education of our children. The frustrating thing is I think it perpetuates the problem when parishes are primarily focused on uh, children, mm-hmm. when their educational resources and their educational abilities and time and staff uh, go primarily towards uh, children. You know, it, it just perpetuates the problem because you, you you're you're never getting at the adult again. Who you know, the church says you know they have that capacity, they have that greatest capacity to have that influence in the world, at home, in the domestic church, um, that uh, they're the ones uh, that, that really need it. Um, but I will say, you know, on, on the other hand, you know, adults have really hard questions, you know. <laughs> uh, um, they, they have, you know, uh, deep struggles, you know, that are beyond, you know, is my dog going to go to heaven? Right. You know, when, I was going to say, know. first graders have some hard questions, too. <laughs> <laughs> they really do. But no, you're right. You're right. You're, yeah. Yeah, Continue. So, Sorry. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> yeah. So, like, um, what, do you, what do you think, you know, or wh- where do you find maybe a, a good place to start? Like, if a, if a parish had nothing with adult yeah. faith and mission, or, or, you know, nowadays there's so many resources, or, you know, you have a parish that's simply saying, well, you know, we run a, a good 
uh, Ascension Press Bible Study, mm-hmm. uh, St. Paul Biblical Institute, one of those mm-hmm. places, running those good Bible studies. What else can we do? Do we need a, a, a more full adult for faith formation? So what kind of advice do you have for, for parishes who, A, don't have anything, or B, they have little, and what they do have is like usually just the Bible study? Yeah. I think if a parish doesn't have anything, there are a lot of great, like we live in a time of fantastic resources. You yeah. know, I mean, oh, yeah. like you've mentioned too, right? The St. Paul Center, um, the Ascension Press, you figure all of Bishop Barron's studies, formed.org. I mean, I'm yeah. not like putting it, I'm not getting paid for these advertisements, <laughs> but um, I mean, when you look at these these studies, there are fantastic resources out there. Um, I, I think if you don't have anything, you know, buy a subscription to form.org and see what your parish can start running, you know. Um, If you do have some Bible studies, I think it's important to kind of make sure you're offering a breadth of things. I think it's very easy to offer a Bible study here and there. If you don't have anything, that's great. And you should always be offering Bible studies. Um, But are you offering different levels? Because not everybody's at the same level. So you need to offer some introductory things. You need to offer some, but not everyone's at the introductory level. Some people want more. So can you offer different things for different people at different levels? Um, There's a great adult formation program at a, a parish in another diocese that it kind of mirrors coffee. So they offer light roast things. They <laughs> offer bold things. They offer homebrew. So they kind of show that they have these different levels of offerings. And it's a it's one of the best adult voice formation programs I've ever seen because they offer these variety of, of opportunities. Yeah. Um, I just started listening to what the people wanted and I started developing shameless plug. Um, I started writing my own Bible studies yeah. because parishes wanted Bible studies six weeks, you know, like a short Bible study that was a combination of face sharing and content. Yeah, yeah, and so yeah. I, I've written three now on various topics. And um, if people want to find more, they can go to joanmwatson.com. That's joanmwatson.com. Um, <laughs> and you can reach out to me and I'd be happy to share them. But um, so I've offered three Bible studies that are kind of small group nurturing. Because I think that's important too, that so often our adults get caught in this huge parish yeah. with, you know, they go to these huge masses, they don't know anybody. And so if we can start small group formation where people are also developing relationships because it's not just about education it's also about that communal aspect um and so there are a lot of great resources out out there i also another shameless plug um (laughs) i started a program called three minute theology and it's three minute theology.com the number three minute theology.com it's on facebook and youtube every tuesday and it's just a three minute video about some aspect of the catholic faith and that came out of a desire to reach people where they are. So yeah. not everybody can come to church all the time. Not everybody can have a small group. Yeah. How do we reach adults where they are? Well, they're on their smartphones, yeah, right? They're on exactly. their computers. And so every Tuesday, a new episode comes out. It's only three minutes. So it's yeah, a very, yeah. you know, attention. It, it keeps your attention, hopefully. Um, and it's it's short, but it's about something just to kind of oh, I remember learning that. You know, I remember learning that yeah. in high school. Or I remember, um, or maybe I never knew that. But just that keeping Why do the, Catholics do exactly. that? Exactly. <laughs> That's how, when I come up with my topics, I usually type that in and find, out, find a good topic. But um, I've found a lot of success in those because people just have questions. And 
it also gives them an excuse to kind of plug into the church every week on Tuesday. You know, yeah, that yeah. Tuesday's their dime. And, and if they don't, they can binge watch them. I know people who binge watch them. <laughs> um, so, so find different avenues. If something isn't working, don't be afraid to look at something else. Yeah. Not everything's going to work for everyone, and not everything's going to work for every parish. Yeah, and that's important to remember. There's no, sil- there's no silver bullet. There's no uh, net big enough, wide enough, uh, strong enough to, to catch everybody. Um, but I, but I, you know, I, I like what you said there. there it's, it's really important, you know, that, you know, people have those questions. And I think, you know, another way to look at that is I think there's a lot of people out there, and I say this primarily from experience, you know, there's a lot of people out there that have these stumbling blocks with the Catholic faith mm-hmm. where, you know, they're, they're kind of half-heartedly going to Mass because they don't understand a particular doctrine. You know, not to get into the statistics, you know, but, you know, a lot of people leave the church because of what the church uh, teaches or because of what they think the church teaches, mm-hmm. as uh, Fulton Sheen said. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so, you know, I think those, you know, having those little moments, like you said, the three-minute theology, things like that, where you simply um, uh, answer somebody's questions. That may be the stumbling block that, has, that, that you remove uh, uh, from them for them to embrace Christ more, embrace his bride, the church, more. Um, and I think that, and the, the other thing that's beautiful about that is, again, uh, whether you intended it or not, that's actually what the church has asked for, all of catechesis, to be somewhat reflective of the catechumenal model. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a huge beginning point with uh, the catechumenal model, uh, is to begin with that period of inquiry. What, do the, what questions do you have? Uh, what are you seeking? Um, uh, why are you here? You know, something like those kind of questions. And so, you know, having, having like that aspect of it mm-hmm. is, 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 is important there uh, to reach out to maybe re- remove those stumbling blocks, but also to begin them, you know, uh, have your catechesis model that uh, catechumenal model. That's actually the step that people most, I think, most often miss in adult formation is that inquiry, is that beginning step of, we're not ready for this deep catechesis, but we're at the pre-catechumenate. You know, like we're just, and we think, oh, these people have been baptized. They've been sitting in the pew. They know what's going on. (laughs) No, they don't, right? And so there's a great program, um, again, not like specifically endorsing one program or the other, but there's a great program called Alpha. And it originally came with our Anglican brothers and sisters. So it's not first and foremost Catholic, but there's a Catholic version. And people have been highly critical of Alpha because it's not catechumenal. It's not going through the seven sacraments. It's not going through the catechism. Some people aren't ready for that. And I think we have to be respective of that. And we have to realize, you know, some people are still asking, why the heck am I not just sitting in this church pew? Why am I here on this earth? Like, I'm not sure I even believe I should be here. So what Alpha does is it starts at the very beginning. And I think sometimes we rush into, I want to tell you everything about the Catholic Church. (laughs) Not everybody's ready for that. And I think we have to be respectful of that. Um, And so programs like Alpha or just like, I know one parish does coffee with the priest on Sunday mornings. And the priest is just there to answer questions. And there's no question that's too dumb to ask because I think everybody comes with different questions and everybody comes with different like you said, like adults have serious questions and serious issues that they're grappling with, and we have to we have to answer those things, and we can answer those things, and right. we shouldn't be we shouldn't be scared of them. No, that's a, that's a great point, and you you brought this up earlier with with when you were talking about that you know your catechesis, your ministry, uh, the way you kind of organize it, it should all be Christocentric. 
and I, and I think this is an important point, and uh, and mostly because I've had to learn this myself, especially as a as quite a zealot for the church. You know, sometimes that might be where we want to begin, um, but if somebody is asking, you know, why Christ, mm-hmm. uh, um, if we begin with the church, well, you know, the church can simply seem seem uh, like it like just another human institution when it is disassociated from Christ. And so even even when you look at the, the, the pedagogy of God in the Old Testament, he gradually forms the people of Israel uh, uh, and then bringing it to fruition in the sending of his son Jesus. In the same way, we have to uh, kind of bring others uh, um, along um, in, in a gradual way, meaning that when we get to the church, they should have a good foundation of who Christ is. Yeah. You know, so for those of our listeners that are out there that are that are really zealous for the church, and because she is the bride of Christ, we we should be. Uh, it's important that we don't um, talk about the church or teach the church in a way that becomes disassociated from the person of Christ. That's a great point. Um, you know, and so like you know. Programs like Alpha, while I have a couple of issues with Alpha, <laughs> uh, uh, mainly mainly pedagogy. I mean, they they have this one phrase that gets me uh, on their on one of their webs on their website for Catholics. It's it literally says uh, they are now evangelized. You can now catechize them. I think the human person is a little more dynamic in that by going through a program, it doesn't just put out this product of an evangelized person, um, but at the same time. Like the, the thing that Alpha gets right is that it, it begins with that basic message of salvation. It begins with the person of Christ, you know, and, and, and then we can, we, can build, uh, we can build upon that. And so there's a lot of good resources out there for adults, uh, adults to, to use in their faith formation. Now, what about the different audiences in there? So we have to have these different approaches because people are at different places. Mm-hmm. But what about their states in life? Do mm-hmm. we should should our adult faith formation should they also kind of be reflective of these different states in life? And maybe you know how do we go about kind of organizing that or, or doing that? That's a good question. I think the answer is yes and no. Um, I think in some approaches it is good to. You know, focus specifically on what do married couples need. You know, married mm-hmm. couples are going to need things that are different than single people, or um, you know, maybe older married couples, younger married couples. So I think there are there are. It's important to make sure you're ministering to everybody in your parish. There are great marriage resources out there. Um, some of the best ones I've seen actually bring young married couples and older married couples together, so the older married couples can can um, mentor the young couples. It's funny because there's kind of this um, ongoing, especially now with the Synod for Youth, this idea that young people need something different. And I'm actually really opposed to, I think the young adults need to be seeking the same formation opportunities as the older, and I'm using air quotes, adults, (laughs) um, that in in a sense, yeah, we need to reach people at different points, you know, and I think sometimes small like small Bible studies or small formation groups can do that where, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, I know my Bible study is being used in a parish and there's a group of widowers that use it yeah. um, versus a group of young moms. And that way they can have that community and that formation and they're at different points in their life. But I think there's also a danger in ostracizing people or separating people out where like the retirees come this night and the young adults <laughs> come that night. Well, guess what? The young adults can learn a lot from the retirees and yeah. vice versa. 
And so I think we do need to reach people where they are and minister to people in different ways, in different states of life. Um, but I think we need to be careful as a church not to segment people out because I think the young adults need to start acting like adults and need to start coming to adult formation opportunities that maybe are only attended by retirees. Well, yeah. why? You know, like, I think it's obviously when I do things like for the diocesan um, adult formation opportunities, yeah, the prim- primary audience I have are those who are retired. Yeah. And I think we see that in the church where who goes to daily mass, who seeks out the Bible studies, but yeah. those who are have more time. And I think those who have begun to put their life and prioritize what's yeah. really important in their life. Probably because they thought about death. And That's what I yes, think. Yes, <laughs> yes. I think there's a lot of that. Um, but I, I, sometimes I hate young adult ministry. Yeah. Because unless we're talking about cultivating relationships, like with a theology on tap or something. Sure. Young adults should be doing the same formation that old adults do. You know, and yeah, so I think, yeah, yeah. Um, I, th- I, I, I think for some formation opportunities, we need to be careful not to segment out because yeah. we all have that same vocation to holiness and we can learn a lot. I can learn a lot. I'm single. I can learn a lot from the mother with five kids, yeah. you know, and she can learn a lot from me, you know, and to have that real community of the different parts of the body of Christ, as Paul talks about, I think is important. So my answer is yes or no. And no, yeah. I think. no, I think that that's, I, no, that's, that's great. Cause I, I also, that, that, that makes me think of, um, maybe sometimes our efforts in the liturgy, mm-hmm. um, you know, when I, when I was a youth minister, they asked me if I wanted to do a youth mass and I just said, no, uh, the mass is the mass is the mass. And we shouldn't, you know, predicate the mass on whatever kind of music, whether well, it's usually bad, but uh, we shouldn't predicate the mass on uh, you know the kind of music or even the audience that it's for. That it that it is you know it, it's more of this. It takes on the more of this universal mm-hmm. um, uh, thing. All of these different kind of uh, catechetical uh, opportunities that our parishes are going to try to involve. Should we give? And, and, and I'm giving you the answer. You know, should we give uh, sacred scripture and the study of, of the Bible uh, some primacy? Yes. <laughs> no. Yes. I love questions that are yeah. really the answer. No. Um, yes. And I think that's always been a passion of mine since going to grad school. And um, I studied under Scott Hahn. And so it was kind of drilled into me that, you know, we have to promote biblical literacy among the laity and biblical fluency among the clergy. That was kind of our tagline when I worked for him. But how many of our Christians, Catholics, I should say, how many of our Catholics are fluent or literate in the scriptures? Um, And, you know, we have a bad rap as Catholics sometimes for not knowing scripture. Catholics know scripture. We do. They might not know the chapter and verse. Yeah, we don't know where it is. They don't know where it is. But it's in there. But they know it. (laughs) And what's, I mean, that's important too. I think we have more of a, um, an overarching idea of what scripture says rather than maybe individual book and verse. But we know scripture and we shouldn't give in to those stereotypes, but those stereotypes are there for a reason. And I think we have to remember that sacred scripture is our primary way of knowing about Jesus Christ. Yeah. And we have to be literate at least, if not fluent, in sacred scripture. Do we need to fire off chapter and verse? Probably not. You know, yeah. I mean, it's helpful to have a few in your back pocket, but I'm not one for you know, bantering back and apologetics and, you know, firing back. Um, it's better to know the overarching story of Scripture. And I think once you know the overarching story of Scripture, you find the Catholic Church there. Um, so 
I'm a huge fan of scripture. I love scripture study. And I think once people begin to do some scripture study, they realize how rich the scriptures are and um, that there's really a depth there that you can never exhaust. It's been my experience, having done years of adult faith formation, that teaching scripture, going through scripture, going through scripture with adults, particularly with like typology, mm-hmm. you, know, you, you teach them a little typology, it, 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 it really empowers them. You know, I've really seen people like feel empowered to, okay, I can read this thing. Mm-hmm. I can, I can go, go in on my own. I have, a good, I have enough of a, um, a layout to where I, I know where to go for some good resources. And so I really think you know, that the, the, the scripture study in a, in a parish, it enriches the, the, the whole life, like you said. Mm-hmm. Um, but also I think it empowers them uh, uh, to, to kind of branch off into you know, other things uh, and other aspects as well. One, one quote I wanna, I wanna throw out here is, when you look at the general directory in paragraph 176, it talks about particular forms of adult catechesis. You know, it mentions the RCIA, RCIA first and the catechumenate of adults. But, one, but the very last line of this, uh, uh, and you know, maybe we could talk a little bit about this, it, it reads, these and many other forms of special catechesis complement but do not replace the ongoing systematic catechetical courses which every ecclesial community must provide all adults. Wow. Yeah. Like it doesn't, you know what I love about this paragraph or this sentence? It doesn't say, yeah, there's some other things that if we have the time and resources, you know, maybe we should do. But it says, no, every ecclesial community must provide for all adults. And I don't know the particular place, but I know there's even some canons that back that up as well, uh, particularly when it talks about the pastor and the pastor's role and duty and responsibility to uh, uh, her members or his members. But uh, um, this, this ongoing systematic catechetical um, courses, um, I, I think it's just is, is so important. And again, the church is very clear as to where, what she wants mm-hmm. uh, uh, from her parishes. And, and I love the way you framed it when you just said, you know, working, at, especially working at a diocese, that, uh, again, working on this principle of subsidiarity, that the, uh, the diocese is there to empower the parishes. The parishes are there to empower uh, uh, the families and, uh, and the adults. And, and again, when we, even when we look at the family, you know, the, what's, what's the other name of the family? The domestic church, church. Yeah. you know. So when we talk about building up the church, uh, um, we shouldn't always, you know, just think of my parish, right? You know, right. Um, but the parish is made up of a bunch of little domestic churches, yes. uh, um, and so you know, building those up, uh, I think it's just so important and so huge. Um, I think that paragraph speaks to what you said. Like if a if a parish has a Bible study, or yeah. you know, does what else can they do? Notice it says a systematic report. Like, it's great to study scripture. And I think scripture, in a real sense, has to be primary. We have to start there. And if you don't have anything, you should start with a Bible study. But find the gaps. Like, if I offer a lot of scripture study, am I teaching anything on moral theology? Am I teaching anything about the creed? Am I teaching anything about prayer? And so I think a parish can look and say, okay, 
are we covering the four pillars of the catechism at the very least? Yeah. You know, are we occasionally offering maybe a class on the commandments or on, you know, a basic moral theology, like what is an act and choosing good and evil? You know, like these things that people aren't used to, to even thinking about, is my parish offering at least resources? Yeah. Um, maybe a parish could offer a discounted subscription to um, joining <laughs> Catholic Studies Academy. Yes. But, um, <laughs> but I mean, looking at, okay, what is, am I, are we covering, there are certain topics we like to cover in the church because they're easy to cover. You know, like there's a lot of classes on the sacraments and that's a great thing. But what other gaps may be there that in the catechism looking at, is it a systematic approach? You know, am I offering, you know, a wide variety of classes on various things or am I just talking about the Eucharist because it's easy to talk about the Eucharist? Or you have that one catechist that loves Mary. So every Every class is on Mary. Right. Even in the, the, the universal catechism, uh, it even says in there that these uh, these catechisms should inspire local catechisms, and so I think this is I, I think this is a good principle that um, that this is this is why a, a program will never replace uh, personnel in a parish or you know the, the the members of the parish is that we're 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 called to take these kind of universal things and adapt them locally. So I mean take take for example the. Uh, Catholic Catechism for Adults in the United States, or whatever it's called, something like that. They adapted the uh, the Big Green Catechism for the United States. What's interesting is when you look at the Universal Catechism, the largest section is what? It's the Creed. But if you look at the one for the United States, the largest section is the section on morality. Ooh, that's interesting. Why? Well, people yeah. people don't you know we we don't have we don't have a whole lot of Apollinarian parishes out there we don't have people denying the, the divinity of christ or or arguing against the church about feeding the poor but but when it comes to the church's moral understanding there's a lot of people that there's a lot of that they don't agree or they don't understand in, in a fuller sense not that they disagree but they did they just don't understand so the, the there's one thing I, I really you know give the bishops credit for is that they said we need to we need to spend some time on this in this catechism and so, you know, that's, I think, you know, one thing that the, the, the personnel at the parish can do is they can look at, okay, what are the needs of my parish? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. uh, uh, maybe you have a solid, a, a morally solid parish, but they're, 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 they're wanting something deeper. Or they're, they're lacking on, you know, corporal spiritual works and mercy mm-hmm. or something like that. This is where the person of the catechist comes in, mm-hmm. which, you know, the church says is the most important part of catechesis. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think, you know, for those, for those parishes, it's important to understand that, you know, do not reduce your ministry to a program. Look at the needs of your parish. Uh, adapt what the church has given us, and the church has given us a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and, you know, feed your people. Um, and with, you know, that, that idea of feeding your people, I think it's, you know, it's key that the priest be the primary person responsible, you know, mm-hmm. for this. Uh, that even I remember in school you may have had this experience as well where they simply just said you can't do anything well without your parish priest uh, and it's so important because again the priest is the spiritual father um, but at the same time the priest has so many things on their plate right you know so I think you know uh, for our listeners that you know if if there's uh, a, a need like this in your parish bring it to your priest mm-hmm. 
but like a good person though, if you're going to bring them a problem, bring them a solution. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And there are so many resources for people who might not feel comfortable maybe teaching a class themselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't have to teach it. You know, you can you can do you can offer, okay, I'll run the Catholicism series by Bishop Aaron. You know, yeah. like if you're going to tell your priest that you need adult formation, be prepared to say this is what I'm willing to do. I'm willing to you know, pop this DVD in the DVD player yeah. and, and lead a discussion. You know, there are a lot of resources out there that make it easy for even someone who might not feel equipped to teach sure. to then lead. And so I think don't be afraid to, to go to your priest and say, I'd love to start this. Or, again, maybe go to your friends and say, do you want to do a Bible study with me in my home? You know, yeah. don't be afraid to, to, to kind of bite that off and run with it. Right, right. And that goes back to what we were saying about the individual apostolate. Yes. It's, that, you know, it's important for people just to say, hey, you know, or, uh, uh, hey, I'm going to have a barbecue, you know, come on over, you know, to have those, have those uh, activities and have those things that you can have Christ at the center of them, but not necessarily be uh, held at the parish, you know, with the person who's passed all of the background checks and fingerprinted 12 times and, you know, has an NSA clearance, um, you know, but... That, can, uh, that we can go out and just have these things uh, on our own. Um, so thank you for our conversation today, Joan. It's been great. Um, for our listeners out there, where, again, can they find out more about you and the amazing resources, which I will give a plug for because I, I think they are really amazing, uh, especially the three-minute theology. So where can they find out uh, more? Yes, thank you. They, it, you can find three-minute theology on Facebook, YouTube and at three minute theology. So at all of those, it's the number three minute theology. It's important because there are a few other three minute theologies out there that aren't Catholic. So you want to do the number three, <laughs> don't type it out, the number three minute theology. So again, Facebook, YouTube, and then three minute theology.com. And you can find my writing links to where I write. I write, I'm the associate editor for Integrated Catholic Life, which is a great website. Yes. with um, meditations every day, great articles. So I'm the associate editor of that, and you can find a link to that at joanmwatson.com. And that has a link to 3-Minute Theology, that has a link to Integrated Catholic Life, it has a link to some of the talks I've given, it has a link to my Bible studies, and all of that. And we will put a link to all of these in the show notes for this podcast. So just Excellent. check at the bottom of the page, and you'll find them there. Joan, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much thank for you, your expertise uh, and hopefully helping uh, our listeners uh, really begin to focus and to have maybe a renewed kind of rigor and vigor, as John Paul II said it, uh, when it comes to adult faith formation. So until next time, God bless.